Hello, Hello, everybody. We are back, and this is the Macaw Podcast Universe. It's the podcast where we take on a franchise and we go through each movie and we decide what's good, what's bad, to our own personal preference. And we exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never as good as the originals. That's the only reason we have this podcast? Well, that's one of the main reasons. And so far, of all the series we have covered, we have not, um, besides like series within the Marvel series, there has not been a series where we have thought the first movie is the best of that series. I think the closest maybe we came to would have been Toy Story, but it just kept on... Everything is just so good about Toy Story. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Interesting. And this one's no exception because we are now in the Order of the Phoenix of Harry Potter and the series that shall not be named. And boy, is this a good one. I Well, and we I want to tell the audience what happened when we watched this movie. Do you remember? Because mm-hmm. it was a couple nights ago. We um, watched, uh, we, were, we put in the movie of the DVD and we were with Sydney Hunt, who uh, is probably in several pictures of our promotion of this series by now. And the quality of the DVD is so bad that we had to rent it on iTunes. And I remember last week we talked about on the podcast how we... Have DVDs only. Yeah, and, and it's tough for us to to spend the money to rent, but we had to do it because Harry Potter's eyes were like pixelated. Yeah. It was one of the worst DVD rips I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't watch a movie that's like this. Yeah. I I just can't do it. I'm glad we made the switch. Yeah. It was fantastic. The difference between the two. (laughs) So here we are. This is the second time I've ever seen this movie. And this is the first time that David Yates comes on board. Now, David Yates, from here on out, is the Harry Potter guy. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, but I think the general consensus is, like, he's the one who, like, really takes this series to the next level. Because I don't know why they would have hired him for Fantastic Beasts if people didn't agree on that. Yeah, I mean, also, yeah, I mean, he's had more time to do it, too. Yeah. and um, I'm curious, at this point, if they were just, like, if this movie did particularly well more than others, I don't know. You know that. But I wonder if they're just like, you know what? Or maybe he came to them already like, okay, I have ideas for like everything. Yeah, maybe. I guess hopefully we'll find that out when we yeah. get to Fantastic Beasts. But um, yeah, from here on out, he directs the rest of the movies that we're going to talk about in this series. And he has planned to direct all five uh, Fantastic Beasts movies. Um, And so I found this kind of interesting. He... Um, has a very odd filmography, I thought. So he's a ton of British TV and TV movies, and most of them are in the um, in the political uh, landscape. So he has one movie called Tickborn Claimant, uh, one movie called The Girl in the Cafe. He did do The Legend of Tarzan with the Skarsgård, and it had, um, mm-hmm. what's his name from Django? Uh, Christoph Waltz. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so a lot of TV and British movies and the producers were like interested in hiring him after Guillermo del Toro didn't want to do this one again. Oh, they tried to get him again. That's what, that's the impression I got. Um, but they were kind of like, we should try and get him because of like the political nature of this movie. Oh, 
which I thought was interesting. And I think they actually, he actually does that really well because mm-hmm. I remember about halfway through the movie, I took a note where I was like, I really like how this movie gets more into the politics. Mm-hmm. And so that really comes across. So yeah, I agree. Great choice on their part. And they like totally achieved what they said they wanted to achieve. Um, it's produced by David Heyman, um, who I finally figured out the production company on all of these is Heyday Films. And I realized oh, yeah. that connection. Um, and David Barron also produced this. And he also did Chamber of Secrets, which I didn't report on. So I'm backtracking and checking myself. He did uh, Frank with Donald Gleason, that movie, that Michael oh, Fassbender. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Um, Cinderella, Kenneth Branagh movie, uh, Sahara, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Sahara with Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Among other movies, he's yeah. done those. Um, and so this is the first movie um, where the screenplay is not done by Steve Clovis, who I found out I had been mispronouncing his name Did as Clovis. Did you see it, hear it in a interview yeah i heard jk rowling talking about him and she said oh steve clovis did such a wonderful that's job a with hard this. one that's hard i know it looks like cloves yeah um but he didn't do the screenplay for this movie because he was busy working on something else so um michael goldenberg did the screenplay and he did bed of roses contact peter pan which and, one um it was one that came out in like 2000 something live action yeah yeah, that's the one. Okay. <laughs> Frank and I had a crush on the Peter Pan. Oh, okay. Um, and then the last movie he did. Oh, and the kid from 1917's in it, I found out. Oh, really? Yeah, not the main one, the other one. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Really? I don't know which one you consider the main one and the... In terms of longevity, not the longer one. Okay, okay. Um, The plain one. Wink, wink. Yeah. Hopefully by now people have seen the movie because this is going to come out like a month after. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then he also did the screenplay for Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds, a famously one of the worst bottom of the barrel uh, uh, comic book movies, which might be a fun one at some point to cover on one of our Halloween specials, possibly. Yeah. Uh, Music is by Nicholas Hooper, who has done like all of David Yates. And I thought this is Alizon Desplat. No, it's not. This guy, uh, this is the guy. But you did confirm that he does do one of the other movies. He does um, both Deathly Hallows movies. So it's probably, I'm just, yeah. You just blended them together. Yeah. Um, The score in this movie is fantastic. Oh, yeah, I bought songs on iTunes of this score. It's Specifically the scene when George and Fred bombard the owl's exams. And oh, it's like, yeah. That one. Yeah. I, <laughs> I would put this one like second or third favorite of the series so far. I mean, I love the, the score. score. Yeah. yeah. I think Azkaban's probably my favorite score. Okay. And then you kind of have to maybe give Philosopher Stone the next title because it's the original. It starts oh, all the yeah, themes. Yeah, yeah. And then probably this one. Um, cinematography is, this is a tough name. Okay. It's Slawamir Idziak. And he has done. Where is he from? I didn't look up where he's from. Okay. But he did a Black Hawk Down and Gattaca amongst other things. But those were the two I noticed. He did what? Uh, Cinematography. Okay. And then production, we have Warner Brothers and Heyday Production. It's distributed by Warner Brothers. And this movie makes the switch from the Thanksgiving season 
to now these are summer movies. Ah. So this comes out July 11th, 2007. The budget of this movie is a modest $150 million. Mm-hmm. It makes domestically $292 million, $4,738. And worldwide, the movie makes $938 million. $212,738. Yeah. A massive success. Yeah. And as much as I can remember, I think the lowest we've gotten in this series is in the 800 million. So like every movie is just like a guaranteed yep. huge one. Although I think Fantastic Beasts is two is going to be the lowest of all these movies. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember it didn't do as much as they were hoping for. Yeah. Uh, then producers, they thought Yates would be good. Steve Close was busy. I already said that. Um, Emma Watson made a comment about uh, there were these bombings in July, July 7th of a recent year. I forgot to write down the year. But um, it was just um, the media. Like, in London? It, it, like throughout um, Britain. No, like the bombing was in London? Yeah, but okay. through not just London. It was oh. uh, it was kind of like a, a synchronized terrorist attack okay, okay. on July 7th. And she mentioned how the movie she feels kind of keys in on that a little hmm. bit and feels like a post-July 7th uh, movie. Okay. Much as a lot of times people reference like a post-9-11 mm-hmm. movie. Um, and I think um, what she was kind of getting at from what I understood and read was that um, like the way media can kind of twist things and the way that like people react to like really crazy news. So something like he who shall not be named yeah. is back and people's reaction to that. Um, Ro- uh, Saoirse Ronan was considered for Luna Lovegood. That'd be a good cast, casting choice. And the final book of the series, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, was released 10 days after this movie came out. Ah, okay. Um, and then, so they use this new technology um, called soul capturing to make, uh, and it was by, um, it, it was for the giant image oh, oh, oh okay okay sorry sorry so they use new technology called soul capturing by the company image metrics um and they had an actor whose name was todd Maudsley, and he played all the parts of the giant hagrid's uh, half brother the giant mm-hmm. and then they they like mixed the cg and did all of that stuff and that was kind of a newer yeah thing yeah um so you can see footage of him like walking around on a completely green set like doing all of the actions that the giant does yeah um and then as we have done every time i got ebert quotes and i have many because i want to talk about each and i want to hear your opinions so he gave this one 2.5 out of four this is least favorite so far and he says this Whatever happened to the delight and, if you'll excuse the term, the magic in the Harry Potter series? As the characters grow up, the stories grow too, leaving the innocence behind and confusing us with plots so labyrinthine that it takes a PhD from Hogwarts to figure them out. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix still has much of the enchantment of the earlier films, but Harry no longer has much joy, has as much joy. His face is lacking the gosh, wow, this is really neat grin. He has internalized the secrets and delights of the world of wizards and is now instinctively using them to save his life. What do you think about that? Uh, I disagree. Sounds like someone who hasn't read the books. That to me uh, feels like the reason why I kind of like this movie mm-hmm. is like all of those things are like building upon and we're I don't moving want, I don't forward. I don't want Harry to be 
shocked by magic every movie yeah i want i want him to i like he's a wizard this yeah. is his fifth year like in that like knowing that and like not i don't know he's like living in it now so like mm-hmm. why can't why can't he acclimate to it he's a kid he kids acclimate to things quickly so like yeah. of course he's gonna be not phased by everything anymore and there's not gonna be as much wonder also the older he gets, the more complex his emotions are because he's growing into a young adult. Totally. So he's go- not going to be as joyful all the time. His parents were murdered. Yeah. Uh, his godfather gets murdered in this movie. Yeah. He, he just is, he's lost everyone. So why would he be happy? Yeah. I think what's kind of funny, I think, is that he's, as I'm reading his reviews each oh, wait, time sorry also the yeah. last movie he saw a student die and voldemort is back oh yeah so That's he's true. still like the acting is really good on that with the repercussions of of that yeah i think they key into that really well um the student we're referring to is of course cedric cedric diggory duggery diggory 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 i'm getting there i'm getting there folks um i just think it's, it's just kind of interesting to see this perspective of, like, Ebert, as the movies go on, he's just like, man, they just keep getting darker and darker, and he's not into that idea very much. Yeah. But I think that's what a lot of people really enjoy about the series. And I think it's because the readers, like, you know, the first-time readers of these, yeah. if you think about it like that, like, they are growing up with them. Totally. So the people who are reading these books, like, let's say they were around the age of Harry when yeah. the first book came out. And, or the, the first movie. Let's just even talk just movies. Sure. Like, they are growing up with this kid, and the, the readers themselves are dealing with more complex emotions and living in whatever their world is. And it's not... The older you get, the not... It's not... Like, things aren't just hunky-dory all the time. Yeah. I love it. I love that about it. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that is a, a good, an interesting perspective to have I, on the series. I think series. it's interesting. I mean, the, the first couple of movies, for sure, it's just like, this is so wonderful and amazing and so happy. Yeah. Like, such a cool thing, and it's so fun, and it's a kid's movie, but I don't think these are kid's movies anymore. Right. They're turning into, like, teenage movies. Yeah. Um, so then he has this one. So he says, There will come a time, I fear, as we approach the end of the series, one book and fil- two films to go, that Harry and his friends will grow up and smell the coffee. They weren't trained as musicians for fun. When they eventually arrive at some apocalyptic crossroads, as I fear they will, can the series to continue to live in PG-13 land? The arch-villain Voldemort is shaping up as the star of nightmares. These things said, there is no denying that The Order of the Phoenix is a well-crafted entry in the Potter series. The British have a way of keeping up production values in a series, even when the stories occasionally stumble. There have been lesser James Bond movies, but never a badly made one. And the necessary use of CGI here is justifiable, because what does magic create anyway other than real-life CGI without the computers? No, that's a good point there. Really good point. I, I like that sum up. there was also up. something else. We talked about the, the James Bond. Was that what you were keying into? No. And the British with their production values? PG-13 land? Like the movies existing in PG-13? I'll think about it in a minute. Okay. Um... That's all I got. So okay. it's all you on the cast. So I'm just going to kick it off with Emilda Staunton, who plays Dolores Umbridge, um, who was the new Def- Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Um, pretty much. The best. She's in Paddington, too. She's, she's Aunt in Paddington Lucy. Too? She's the bear? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. Really? 
Wow. wow. <laughs> um, she is in Maleficent. Um, the Pirates Band of Misfits. Is that the a cartoon Awakening. movie? Yeah. Oh, I remember seeing the posters for that. She's in an episode of Doctor Who. She's in Alice in Wonderland, Tall Flower Faces. So the beginning of the movie. Um, the the Tim Burton one? Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> she probably wasn't around and in then, like, I mean, the 40s. She, in between all these things, it's like all British. To movies and TV yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. Or, or we, we have an American audience. I think my so. sister said there's a couple uh, people from over, across the pond. Yeah, <laughs> but sorry, most of it's American and <laughs> people don't know all those movies. So, um, okay. And then we also have Ivana Lynch who plays Luna Lovegood. Yes, and if I may... She, so I guess they had some actresses picked out and they just weren't really, um, they weren't really working. And so they put out an ad for like, we want to cast someone for the Harry Potter movies. And there was a line like a mile long or something crazy like that. And there's like 15,000 people that tried out for that role. And, and the producer's like, it was kind of weird. Cause like adult men showed up for the part and like, women who were like 45 showed up for the part and then all the stuff and then this girl um there's this interview with her and she's talking about how like her mom said and she's like my mom hates when i say this but her mom said you have a snowball snowball's chance in hell of getting this role <laughs> and then her dad was like but you should just try it just try out for it and she did and she got the part wow that's and a cool story i think she's fantastic in the movie yeah are we going to get into that later or yeah, do you want to get into it now? Later. Okay, later, later. So this is among some of the first stuff that she did, um, and it continues to be a, a bulk of what she's done. Um, now, is she in the rest of the movies? Because I don't recall. You don't have to look. You can just keep doing what you're wait doing. Wait a second. Okay. What is this? A very Potter senior year. What Guess is that who cartoon? plays Harry. You're, you're never going to guess. Thomas Middleditch. No, you're never going to guess. Get, well, can you give me a hint? Wait, is it a is He's, it an animated show? I think so. There's no other picture. Okay. Darren Chris. <laughs> Get ready for one last romp of magical musical shenanigans because Harry and his pals are back for their senior year at Hogwarts. The gang's in for their biggest adventure yet as they face off against old enemies, new foes, and giant snakes. Will they win or will they lose? Either way, this is the end. What? It, what three is it? hour, three and a half hours. Is this a play? I like think a, so. Like yeah. a well, live I know that Darren Chris has done stage stuff. And if you're unfamiliar, Darren Chris is a guy who is in Glee, but then he won an Emmy for one of the best performances I've ever seen, which is uh, American like Crime Cunanan. Story. Yeah, Andrew Cunanan in American Crime Story season two. He is so scary that it was hard for me to watch that show quickly, even though I wanted to, because yeah. he, he freaked me out. And he won the Golden Globe? I thought he, I think he won the Emmy for that. Okay. And, and the Golden Globe, I he think. He should have. It's good. It yeah, was he, he, unbelievable. Yeah, totally deserved. Um. Oh, she is in, it looks like a little indie rom-com called My Name is Emily, and she's the star. I bet oh. she's very cute in that. Cool. Um, she's in Lego Dimensions, Middle School Moguls, which is an animated kid series. <laughs> so it looks like she's kind of still doing stuff. Yeah. So then we have Helena Bonham Carter, who plays Bellatrix Lestrange. 
Heck yeah. Um, I mean, she's... Love me some HBC. She's pretty popular. Uh, you know, she's uh, well-known for being in a lot... Of, not a, I mean, it feels like a lot of Tim Burton movies. Yeah. She's a good chunk of them. After Lisa Marie was kicked out. And, yeah, she and takes she over. Was, and she takes over... And now it's Eva Green. And now it's Eva Green. Over. It's so gross how you can just see such an obvious type that he has. Yeah, it's, it's very so weird. It's so weird. Um, can I sidebar on yeah. her? So, um, Helena Bonham Carter, for me personally, I went through a phase where I was so annoyed by Johnny Depp and by Tim Burton, and in that, I included Helena Bonham Carter. Then last year, Jordan and I went through and watched every Tim Burton movie. And I am a fan. I think he has, out of his, like, 20 movies, he's got, like, seven that are movies that are really bad. Um, And I'm still waiting for him to come back. But in all of those bad movies... Like, for example, Dark Shadows, horrible movie, don't like it, terrible performances, but there's one performance in the movie that rules, and it's Helena Bonham Carter. Every time she's in one of those movies, she fully commits, and she always looks like she is trying and, like, doing the best she can. Yeah. She's great in Edward Scissorhands. Hey, Um, she's not in Edward Scissorhands. Oh, not, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Sweeney Todd is what I mean. Yeah. Um, She just, like, she is so good, and then... Her being in this series, I hope that there is more because I do not remember her in the rest of the series, but I love me some HBC. Is it true that they, her and Tim Burton lived in two separate houses, but there was an underground t- tunnel connecting them? I think so, but I don't know. Are they rich enough they could do and that? And I'm kind of too scared to look that up. Uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> anyway, she's impl- also Planet of the Apes, um, the Tim Burton <laughs> yeah. Planet of the Apes. Well, she's not good in that, but no one is. She's also, hmm, sorry, this is going to take a second um she she's in you guessed it a lot of british tv and movies um and then is. I'm, I'm doing this okay. i just want to make sure i don't miss anything she's in lame is she she's sasha baron conan's with him she's in oceans eight oh. and this is very terribly organized on here um what was she in right before the uh, Harry Potter? I, I I don't even want to look for it. She there are two hundred and thirty six titles on here. Okay, so I'm not going to do it. I'm curious. Um, wow, that for some reason really bugged me. This really bugged me to look for. Um, she is in the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance show for episodes. She is. Yeah, and then she's also in The Crown. I think she's in. Oh yeah yeah yeah. She's Princess Margaret. Um, this is taking way too long to look at this she's also she's in cinderella she's the fairy godmother that's correct oh and she's in fight club and the king's speech oh okay is there anyone else i've missed i mean um i don't know let's think about it for the next five minutes i mean i think we've kind of covered the cast of these movies oh we didn't we didn't really dive into ray fines the last episode so that would be a good one to dive into I, we just said he's an English patient in Grand Budapest Hotel, and that was it. So English patient, Grand Budapest Hotel, Red Dragon, Schindler's List. He's in Doolittle, because everyone else in Hollywood is, so why not? The new one? Yes. Oh, um, man. He is in, gosh. Oh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Cool. Hail Caesar. Spectre. Right? Is that how it's called? Yeah. I um, forgot. He w- oh, yeah. He's, he's M. He becomes M at the oh, end of Skyfall. I saw enough of that movie because he's in the beginning ish yeah. first 20 minutes some, and then the internet went out and I have never finished that movie. <laughs> um, Clash of the Titans, the Hurt Locker and Bruges. 
This guy's been around the block. That's where he finds. Also, guys, Skyfall's the best James Bond movie. Just try to prove me wrong. (laughs) We'll get to that another time. Yeah. Okay, so the movie begins. And what happens, Jordan? Uh, Harry is in a park. There, You can hear like radio newscasters talking about how this is one of the hottest summers. And you can see the park that Harry is in is just barren. Um, I yeah. think that it conveys how he feels. Huh? Um, and he is just sitting on a swing when Dudley and his f- friends, including Dylan Huntley, um, <laughs> walk up to him and start taunting him. And Harry threatens Dudley with his wand. And it's I think it's cool that all of their friend his friends like laugh hysterically, but Dudley yeah. is not laughing. Yeah. And then it starts raining. I like how he's kind of like um he's kind of like in that like British like uh, gangster thing like the the like white boy british gangster oh it's so gross thing. because man. that is like a like a certain aesthetic and style and it makes sense that he would have oh yeah progressed into that yeah wearing like the gold chain and the baggy pants yeah and stuff like it that. makes so it's much so sense. funny so it starts raining and they're trying to run out of the rain and they they get to this tunnel and it's like get really cold in this tunnel and the water's yeah. frozen and um there's like shaky cam stuff in this and, yeah and it is kind of a state like this first part is like okay guys I know, I think we've said this the last, since Azkaban on, but this one even more so is like, okay, it's starting to get like intense. They just keep getting more and more and more yeah. intense. Yeah. So then um, two Dementors show up and start working on Dudley and Harry. Yeah. And um, Harry has to use the Patronus charm to save himself and Dudley. And th- who happens to see it, but their neighbor from across the street, I forget her name. I don't know. Um, but this little old lady and he finds Harry finds out that Dumbledore has sent her to look over Harry. Yeah. To just keep an eye on him. Um, which is, I mean, the best witness you want. Yeah. In this situation because uh Harry is expelled from Hogwarts for using magic underage. Because he used a Patronus to get the Death Eaters out who yeah. are like sucking out Dudley and his soul. And I, I really like I just think this movie and the book does such a good job of like it makes you so mad because it's just all not right. Yeah. And it's one of those classic things where like that's not fair. Yes. So you know Harry Harry's being expelled for this. And you also find out throughout this whole intro that the minister of magic is denying that Voldemort's uh, he should not be named as back. He's denied. Yes, and I, denied. so this idea I think is kind of probably why this one's my favorite so far in particular. Well, and Harry's growth as a character, but I just love that idea of like, it's too hard for most people to grasp. And it's like not politically okay for them to accept mm-hmm. that Snape. I mean, uh, <laughs> that he who shall not be named is back. So they're just flat out denying it and saying that Dumbledore is a kook. And Dumbledore's trying to go for the minister's job. Yeah. And I love that scene. I think it's in the council where Harry is like, is like, well, then what happened to Cedric? How come Cedric's dead? Like, why? I saw him get killed. Like, how do you disprove that? And they're like, you were the only one there. We haven't. Uh, we don't know. We don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and and this is throughout all this intro. We we meet the Order of the Phoenix, uh-huh. which, which is all of the good guys that we've seen throughout all the movies. Yeah, um, the obvious people, and he is reunited with Sirius. Um, yeah, and and Lupin's back, and Lupin's back with um, Nymphadora, Great. which I didn't look her up, but I saw a lot of British stuff. Oh yeah, um, she. I don't like her, and she's cool. She's I, super cool in the books. It's sure. And this it's a it's 
it doesn't quite like I think if she was in like the first two or even three movies it would have worked but in this movie she's a little like too much with her acting it, but like, doesn't she really is, translate she is that like well. that person in a Marvel movie where you're watching the movie and you have read the comic books and you're yeah. like kind of freaking out oh sure that they put that sure. character in this movie yeah and her and Lupin have a really great arc as okay. a relationship okay um and they also explore that in the movie a little bit and it becomes very sad um but so where are we we're at the council basically yeah i'm just trying to think before that we meet yeah we'll just, yeah, go there so harry's there trying to defend himself and they're pretty much like there's no chance for you kid you're expelled and then dumbledore shows up and says that there is a witness mm-hmm. for the the dementors and they're, you know, Umbridge, you see Umbridge for the first time. She's trying to be like, surely the Dementors wouldn't be there. They would, yeah. Why would they be so far from Azkaban? And then doing all the saying, basically Harry's acquitted and um, Harry is trying to talk to Dumbledore and Dumbledore just walks out. And so should we talk about Umbridge now or later? You can talk about her now. Umbridge. Folks, I love Umbridge. Now, the first time I watched the series, I was like, Umbridge is my favorite. And part of it was a joke because that's a fun thing to say to people who love Harry Potter because she is so clearly like a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always like, well, at least she's bringing some order to this school that's been insane for the past four years. But this movie, I was a little more, I was less trying to be contrarian and I was like, okay, like she she doesn't have great motivations. She's just trying, she like, she's not letting the kids practice magic. She's not being a great teacher. Well, she, she is also controlled, she's controlled by, um, like she she's extremely loyal to the law. Yes. So that's her motivation. And then it is clear, I think, that she is controlled by the minister's fear. Yes. So he's afraid of all the stuff that's going on. Therefore, she thinks the best the best use of teaching is to like not teach yeah. because of fear. Uh-huh. It's like, I mean, it makes me think of like, it really made me think of like sex education where oh, like okay. if, if when she was teaching the class for the first time and they're using like beginners books uh-huh. and it's like, if you don't talk to people about like what, like the consequences of sex, whether that be pregnancy, STD, AIDS, like any of that stuff. If you don't talk about those things, kids are just going to be like, so what? Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's like, you're telling me that it's just bad because you're just saying it's bad and I'm just supposed to believe you. They're not, she's not educating anybody. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a very good, uh, an analogous thought. I, that just kind of took me off guard. Um, (laughs) But I will say, I th- it is so hard for me as a lover of movies and actors to watch this movie and not love every scene she is in because she kills oh, she's every great. scene. She is so good. Favorite like performance of the movie Down by a the, long shot. The costume and the makeup is incredible on her. Yeah, her all of her like set design stuff is so well thought so out. Good, and she's just she's kind of hilarious. And and just the way she, all of the little mannerisms she does, fantastic. Yeah. When she's torturing Harry, not so great. But um, yeah. So now we show up and we're at Hogwarts. Is that correct? And he has. Oh, he keeps having these visions of Vold of he who shall not be named. Mm-hmm. And those are really cool. Mm-hmm. They're very freaky, and there's that scene where he's like in a suit mm-hmm. looking at him on platform nine and three quarters. 
very cool. Yeah, just, I love that. Just very creepy, and like the way they edit it is just really jarring. Yeah, and he keeps waking up, and he's seeing this room um, where. Well, I don't know if that's later, where he sees the room that Sirius is being tortured in. Not Sirius. Mr. Weasley. Oh, Mr. Weasley. Yeah, yeah that's later, right? That's later. Yeah, well, not much later, but... Um, yeah, so we get to school. Um, it's the it's the Great Hall. Dumbledore's talking about Cedric's passing in the upcoming year. Like, he's addressing it again. Uh-huh. And Umbridge cuts in and has her whole speech. And pretty much saying that the minister... The, the ministry is going to infiltrate... Hogwarts and that's a bad bad omen um and then do we I think do we cut straight to her first class which we already talked about yeah where she's you know says those things but then she pulls Harry aside because mm-hmm. Harry speaks out yeah of turn he's doing a great job yeah. da- Daniel's really bringing it in on this movie he's angry yeah and he's this, not, he's this not okay the, that people aren't believing this him. is the peak of um his anger issues yeah of the book okay of all the okay. books this is like it's like, dude, talk to someone because this is also when um, he he starts alienating himself from Harry, from Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't think anyone understands him. Yes. Uh, because of what he's gone through last year slash his life, and this is where we also introduce to Luna. Love good, love good for the yeah. first time, and she's very like she seems like an airhead. She seems like a conspiracy theorist weirdo. Um, you can tell that she's being she's picked on all the mm-hmm. time because she's weird and different. But that I mean, it's like those are all the the stereotypes that people put on her. Yeah. Um, I think she, the actress, is doing a great job yeah. too. Yeah. Like I really like the peculiarity of her performance. It doesn't feel like she's playing it too hard. No. You know, because that's an easy thing to overact. Mm-hmm. And I mean... Um, well, she's very quiet. Yeah, I just like how quiet she is. And she's just doing her own thing. And yeah. she's okay with that. And it feels like the actress is also being that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's not pretending to do her own thing. She just is. And she's happened to be the actress. And you the know? whole, like, Harry alienating himself, like, that is something that... It's kind of like the last movie when Ron and him were mad. They didn't go on that for too long same thing here they kind of wrap that up quickly we're like he sees luna feeding the spectrals is that what they were called i think so um out in the woods with them and he's you know kind of we're kind of understanding her a little bit more and she is saying like i think if i was he should not be named i would want you to feel alone yeah like i would want you to be as alone as you can feel that way it's harder to be it's easier to beat you than if you had others then harry's like okay i need to apologize to my friends Mm-hmm. And I think it's also interesting. It's not not only the minister is denying he should not be named as back. It's like a lot of people are denying it because, because of the parents. daily profit and, their, and parents. their parents. Like a lot of the kids are like making fun of Harry because their parents are telling Especially, them. Especially, and they really characterize that in Seamus. Yeah, so Seamus's parents are... Yeah, but then he apologizes for it and it doesn't take him the whole movie to do it. Yeah. He does a pretty first act-ish well, I, thought, I thought he does two. it more when the, after they've started training. No, I thought it was like, like more right when act. they get to Hogwarts. He it, it begins with him. Oh, okay. Being like that, and he continues to be like that for for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then he comes to his senses. Yeah. Um, and all of that, I I love them exploring that idea and and Harry thinking he's alone, but it's it's kind of interesting because, um, this is also the movie where. Yes, yes, like Dumbledore isn't talking to him. No. And so, 
you're dealing with this arc where where Harry believes he's alone, but actually, like all of his friends and all these people are there. Like the Order of the Phoenix is trying to help Harry, but they're doing it in such a way that he doesn't realize it and doesn't know. And there's a it's, there's still an element. I think this is part of the conflict in the yeah the conflict of the movie is at the beginning of the movie when he's with the Order of the Phoenix and Sirius is trying to explain to him what uh, Heel should not be named is looking for. Yeah. Specifically, Mrs. Weasley cuts him off and won't let him explain the rest of it because he's just a kid. Yeah. When Harry's like, don't you think I should know? Totally. All of yeah. these things. And then um, later on, so so we'll jump to Harry has a vision of Mr. Weasley being attacked, be just being attacked yeah. in this room. Um, and he wakes up, tells... Uh, Dumbledore, they get the Weasleys in there, and you find out that Nagini, uh, he should not be named Snake, uh, attacks Mr. Weasley. Yeah. And if Harry actually hadn't done anything, he probably would have died. So he was saved in time. Uh-huh. Um, but the whole thing is like Harry feels like he was the one doing it. Yeah, because in the dream, he was the snake. He was looking down on him, biting him. And uh, this whole scene, Dumbledore won't talk to Harry until Harry screams at him. And Dumbledore finally, like for the first time in the movie, looks at Harry. Uh-huh. And very quickly after that, he's like, "Snape, come in and help." Start Harry. teaching him about the mind. The Occlumens. I don't. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a really hard word to pronounce. Yeah. But pretty, pretty much, what's happening is because of what happened the night that Harry's parents were killed and his mom sacrificed herself. There is like him and Voldemort. Uh, he shall not be named. Are connected therefore and they're doing a great job foreshadowing yeah i think so too because i think explaining as you watch back you're like oh that's the this and this is a pretty like exposition heavy movie and i think they handle it pretty well it doesn't feel like it to me no but you are right because it's a lot of showing so snape is telling him that he should not be named is getting into his mind Mm -hmm. and if he if he becomes aware of what he's doing he can control it like he can like ruin harry that way yeah vice versa harry is also getting into his mind that's why he saw mr weasley being attacked yeah so which is a fun twist on like what you would expect oh yeah like they both have advantages and disadvantages and so snape is using this spell that you you get into the person's mind to Mm. train harry to cut him off from getting into his mind and i really really like that whole storyline because it's just it's i think it's really different yeah really creative and by farther into the movie we learn a lot about snape let's cover that since oh, we're the here do you want me to talk about it yeah yeah so i uh, this again this is almost like watching a new movie to me so like this scene we're about to talk about watching it this time i'm like whoa yeah dang so <laughs> the, the, these, these whole movies you're just like is snape a death theater or not is who who was he really a spy for dumbledore the phoenix or the Death Eaters. Who really knows? Yeah. And the beginning of the movie, he hear we hear Snape's voice, and Harry's like, "Oh, Snape is in there." So, like, is he a good guy? And um, all all of this to say, um, he Snape is trying to train Harry. All this stuff. Harry's doing a terrible job. Yeah. And um, as Snape does the spell on him again, Harry Protego, which is like he, it's reversed and it's on Snape. Yeah. So he goes into Snape's mind, and what he sees is Snape being picked on by his fa- by Harry's father, and Mr. bullied. James Potter. Which, because he always Snape is always saying how terrible James is, terrible, terrible, terrible. And you know, he only ever says bad things about Harry's dad. Yeah. He never once says a bad thing about Lily. And so, here's what's cool. First of all, they cast the perfect actor lookalike kind of 
uh, yeah. young actor, great. Yeah. Second of all, it's it's nice that we've kind of danced around his parents. We haven't totally figured them out yet, but they're but JK has crafted them in such a way that they are human beings, which is very cool. So it's not just like um his magic like angel parents died. It's like, okay, when when I see this, yeah. I'm like, oh, James Potter has like some dimension to him. He's not just like this perfect guy. He was a kid too. And yeah. he was an idiot too. Yeah. And um we don't know too much about Snape's backstory, like from the books. I'm sure by now there's there's so much stuff about it. Yeah. But it, you get a sense that he didn't have a great upbringing, childhood. Sure. Um. So then you also see that like he was bullied in school. Uh-huh. Um. Which is probably in a way like why he clung to potions, and that's why he's usually the potion master. Um. But anyway, we see that that Snape has been bullied by him, and hair. It's just finally we see something about him. Finally, yeah. and it's yeah. like I understand him a little bit more. Of course, it doesn't explain whether he is actually a Death Eater or actually an Order of the Phoenix. Like who is? Well, because the next allegiance. movie, you still need to be confused, right? Totally. The whole you need, to be, next- you need to be confused until the last part like part two deathly hell okay pretty pretty much pretty much even though you get like you get a pretty oh, good sense. i'm so excited i can't but wait you so because i don't remember it, it's like regardless of where his allegiances lie you just understand his character a little bit more yeah and it's great because you only get nuggets yeah and it's beautiful yeah this is the nugget movie mm-hmm. it's all about those nugs shrek was uh, layers of an onion this one's nuggets <laughs> Well, um, on that note, thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, so let's talk about um, the uh, uh, Hagrid's brother, Mm -hmm. Robbie. Mm -hmm. So Hagrid hasn't been in this movie most of the time. Uh Uh-huh. Because you find out that he has off been trying to convince the giants to be with the good guys. Sure. To which he explains that... Is he a part of the Order of the Phoenix? Yeah. Okay. To which he, he explains that the bad guys have already gotten to them. And then you kind of get like they're on giants are on neutral ground. Okay. Um, I kind of more, more all or less. <laughs> he pretty much he pretty much said like, don't really know okay. if what I did worked. Yeah. But what he does discover is that he's a half brother named yeah. Grop. Robbie, I thought. Isn't it Robbie? I don't think so. Just throughout the. Okay. Well. Um, we can look it up. We'll I, we'll look it up, but t- tell me about it. Tell me about it as you as I look. Okay, it so up. he takes him into the Forbidden Forest. You meet him. It's terrible CGI, just very very dated. I'm curious if we saw it in the year that it came out, if it would be really impressive to us. Yeah, it's Grop. Okay. It's not Robbie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why did don't I ever think question me again on this series. Okay. Um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> and Hagrid. So Hagrid has been threatened by Umbridge that he will be sacked. Uh-huh. So he is asking the three to take care of Grop and not in terms of food, just keep him company. That's all he needs. Yeah. Um, and it is, a, I think watching the movie is a little bit like, what is this going to do for the story? Yeah. It's a little, little weird, a little out there. You have to remember that this book is even bigger than Goblet of Fire. Yeah. So there's a lot that they had to cut out. So it's kind of like, why did they keep this part in it? Mm-hmm. There's a payoff, of course. But it yeah. is a little like, what's going on? And I think part of the CG thing is just datedness. Yeah. Um, because, it, it, you know, hearing that they did like a new technology, I'm kind of like, okay, I forgive it a little more. But the brother looks so goofy looking now. It's a little like, okay, let's just skip this scene. Because he does like, I'm not super interested in it. You would think it. a giant, like it's a giant, but they're still like human, humanoid. 
Yeah. So they so they just look like giant humans, and this one doesn't really look like a human. It looks yeah. like a creature, and I guess it's possible they could have been going for that. But also, Hagrid just looks like a really big guy. Well, I think they were trying to maybe differentiate him from Hagrid. Yeah, maybe. Um, but wasn't the girl in Goblet of Fire a giant? I thought she, she was a giant. She is, but I can't remember like if there's a thing about it. Like she's also maybe half giant, okay. or she is a giant. I I can't remember. It's been too long. Because I would have been, I would have been fine with like a guy in stilts, honestly, oh, yeah. who's just like, oh, 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 you yeah. know, that like can't speak well or something. Whatever. But, but if it further, if it further motion capture, yeah, it's I guess a necessary that's evil at this um, point. Uh, so that's that. So let's return back to the school. Okay. In the school, here is something, again, that I really love about this movie. So Umbridge has gotten rid of Dumbledore as headmaster, and she's now the headmaster. And there, first of all, there are several montages in this movie, mm -hmm. and they- it's like, what else would they do? Are incredible. I <laughs> yeah. love the montages. The music is incredible. It furthers the story, and they're not just montages for montage sake. This is like how you do a montage. And like we said, very expedition- ex ex What's the word? Um, exposition heavy. Exposition heavy movie. Montages are probably the best way to get through a lot of it. Yeah. And and so you see that, um, what's the groundskeeper's name? Oh, it's not the groundskeeper. Isn't, oh, sorry. Yeah, he is the groundskeeper. I'm thinking of the gameskeeper. Okay. Groundskeeper, Argulus Filch. Okay. Um, whatever the first filch. thing you Just said. Just say Filch. Filch. And he keeps nailing all these rules up on this, um, up, up in wall. this it's area. A That's a normal word. <laughs> And um, it just keeps getting more and more rules that and things that she's outlawing. And I, it's first of all, it's just funny. It's mm -hmm. like just kind of good comedy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that Hogwarts itself like allows itself to be open up for Harry and his friends so they can start practicing for their wizarding. It's stuff. called the Room of Requirement. And it just like appears to people. Mm -hmm. Really who, cool who idea. Who are in true need? And yes, it's not yes, just, in true need. I love that. It's not that. just a random room. It's the room that you need. So they needed a room to practice in, and they gave it gave them because Ron said, uh, yeah, yeah, "If yeah. I needed to use the toilet, Hermione said, yes, Ron, it would even do that if you truly needed it.' Yeah, so Great. it's it's cool, but and then, I, I like the Filch, room design. Think about a lot room of designs, cool, a lot of mirrors, a lot of mirrors, and there's cool stuff. pillars and stuff. Yeah, it's all great. Um, but the Filch is like sitting outside of the door and there's this whole sequence where he's just watching this door and like it's eating. It's not even the door, it's the wall. The wall, the door yeah. disappears. And, and eating and like doing all this stuff and it's just pretty funny. Mm -hmm. So it's like the series hasn't lost its charm. No. It's still a charming series. And um, so then what I love about this though, beyond all the cool stuff like new headmaster, we're like furthering the experience at Hogwarts and seeing different things happen there. And it's not just hunky dory mm -hmm. for the fifth time, you know? Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been hunky dory anytime, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I should stop saying hunky dory. Um, okay. But, um, he, uh, the, they're like building an army and this is too, the, like they're doing it, um, on, in the fifth book instead of, the seventh book, like right before they need to build an army. Uh -huh. So I love that they're like, that she, and then them doing it in the movies, they're like setting up that this army's happening so that when it happens in the seventh book, they either don't have to spend time doing it or it, it are, it feels natural to the well, story. They've been practicing combat. Yeah. So it's more realistic that they could fight this force of evil because they've yeah. been practicing for several years. Yeah. Um, so I really, really like that touch. Uh-huh. And I think it's cool that they show the struggles of magic. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of them, they couldn't do 
specific they were really bad at specific spells yeah. which is kind of like cool i didn't know that people could be bad at it yeah so it just opens up the world a little bit more and they they do you know um is it Choi? is that her name cho cho they do um kind of because she was with cedric diggory and then he died and now she's kind of attaching herself to harry potter and um that's kind of an interesting storyline i feel like they don't quite dig into it enough to find much meaning in it but also there's not too there's, much time not for it time. and it's just like okay they have their their, their share their kiss and it, it's of course like there's that picture she's it starts with her staring at a picture of cedric and talking about him and yeah. then they kiss and it's like she doesn't like you said she doesn't like harry she's still in love with cedric yeah. but it's all of these confusing emotions and i'm a teenager yeah um and then you find out because one of the rules like student all students will be questioned about secret organizations so umbridge had been questioning all of the students yeah and you find out that cho uh gave everyone up that's right yeah and so, so then she's quickly she feels alone because everyone's not yeah. paying attention to her um do we ever find out like why she did that or she just, oh, I just don't think she could i think she cracked under pressure yeah i don't okay. think it was like mal intent or anything like that yeah um so then all of that has happened and now, I mean, we're pretty much nearing the end of the movie now, right? Well, so, okay. They get busted. They all have to do detention, which is writing with that quill that scars them. So they Which all, is a crazy special effect. Crazy. I have no idea how they did it. Really cool. It looks so real. So, And I love when he first does it, he's writing down and the ink is red. And she's like, you can use my pen. And you're like, how come the ink's red? That's what well, I so thought. He asked, and he then has, it starts cutting his hand. He said, I need... You never didn't give me ink, and she said you won't be needing any. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So, yeah, she punishes slash abuses all of them Yeah. <laughs> for it. And then I'm sure I'm skipping over some stuff, but let's just jump to the owl's examination, which is what they have been leading up to. These are like the SATs, pretty much. Oh, yeah. School. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the wizarding world, it's really important because it, depending on your scores, it kind of indicates what kind of job you will probably get based on you score best in this area. Okay. Um, of course, it's like one of those funny things of standardized testing. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. But uh, we're not going to get into the education system right now. <laughs> but so they're taking their exam examinations. They start hearing some like firecrack, like, like, like firework popping. Which I thought this was going to be like, because I didn't remember how the movie went. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he like he who shall not be named or like Beatrix or something is about to attack them. That's oh, what yeah. I thought was Throughout about to all happen. all of this, someone exp like ex takes a wall out of Azkaban and a lot of people escape. Oh, yeah. That's happening at the yeah, same so time. Yeah, so I thought like she was attacking them. Yeah. Um, but it's not. It's more no. charming than so, that. So uh, the doors swing open and Fred and George come in on brooms and they're throwing fireworks around everywhere. They're like charmed. So they're like chasing Umbridge around. She's getting frazzled. A giant dragon comes out a la Fellowship of the Ring <laughs> and is chasing Umbridge out of the room and all of the fireworks destroy the rules. And you don't probably don't know this. Fred and George never go back to Hogwarts after that. Oh really? They they leave and they're like they they're out of they're expelled. Oh, that's and, uh, and pretty like, interesting. From my actually. from my memory, they of course you could probably think once Dumbledore gets back in there, like they're reinstated. Uh -huh. But then the next movie they start their business, which I won't get into. You'll see it. But they start a business in Diagon Alley that's like crazy successful. So like it's they, probably related to when they had they were giving all those like it's sick exactly potions what it is. and stuff to kids to get yeah. out of tests. So they yeah they never go back. Interesting. So that's why it's even more crazy because it's just like screw you and they leave. Whoa. Yeah. 
<laughs> pretty cool. So I'm that getting happens. the bug. <laughs> and so all of the, the the Order of the Phoenix kids are taken to Umbridge's classroom because she's just like, it was you, all of you guys were involved in this. Yeah. And um, Harry's sitting there and Snape shows up mm-hmm. and he's like not, what did he, I forget exactly what he says, but Harry says to him and he says, Proudfoot, I think he said Proudfoot, uh-huh. is blah, blah, blah. And Snape looks at him and Umber just like, what does that mean? And Snape says, I have no idea. And the acting is so good. I really like Snape in this movie. I I think he's so interesting in this movie. Um, Because the little nugget. Um, And what was he telling him again? That's serious. He was telling him something about serious. Okay. Can't remember exactly. Oh, I think he probably alluded to like... Because the whole time they learn there's this prophecy that he who should not be named is trying to get. Yes. And a lot of these visions that Harry are having is where the specific prophecy is in the ministry. So he's basically telling Sirius, go get him and tell him in code. Yeah. So he leaves and then Umbridge is trying to get information out of them. And Hermione's like, tell him, Harry, tell her, Harry, tell her the truth. Does a great classic lie and takes Umbridge to the Forbidden Forest where... Grop comes back into play, scoops her up, and then the centaurs show up and they drag her away. Now is she is she a goner? Is she dead? No, I think she's you see her like in the newspaper at the end of the movie. I think. I think. Okay. I could be wrong. Okay. Centaurs might do that. Yeah. But um I just can't really remember. It's been a couple of days since we've seen the movie. So yeah. um but, well, I was just thinking because I don't think she. I don't think you find out in the movie. But I was wondering if in the book. Oh, I don't. Like, they say. I just something. don't remember. Oh, okay, okay. Too big of a book to swallow. <laughs> all, all just to remember all of it. Yeah. Um. Basically, so then you, they all escape. They escaped because Mal, Malfoy had been working with Umbridge the whole time, being a perfect little kiss ass with all of his friends. Whoa! I and have to put explicit on this. Episode I just think now. it's funny that Ron was like. We wanted to eat these chocolates, and of course, he knew that Malfoy and his friends were going to be like, screw you, we're going to eat this, and it made all of them sick, and they escaped, and yeah. that's when Hermione's like, that's really brilliant, Ron, Yeah, and it's like, oh, cute. <laughs> um, and Okay, so now let's go to the Ministry of Magic. Yes, but first, a little important in terms of character, Harry's like, I really appreciate everything you guys have done. I need to do this. And they're like, why would you go alone? What have we been training for this whole time? And it's just cool because you can see in Harry's face like, wow, they do really want to risk their yeah. lives for me. Yeah. So, yeah oh, so, that is a really great moment. Yeah. yeah. And they come, right? So it's, yeah, it's Luna, Ginny, Hermione, Ron, and Neville. Yes. With Harry. And so they go to the Ministry of Magic and they go, it's like this. Oh, I think it was shown earlier in the movie. Um uh, when he went to the council. Yeah. And it's this set, and you can look up pictures. It's crazy. It's a huge set. Yeah. For like two minutes of screen time. Yeah. Well, and no, 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 no. At the big He Should Not Be Named in Dumbledore fight scene. Oh, that's right. It, yeah. They use a lot. Use it a lot. And here's what's cool. When they do the fight scene, you remember when all the glass shatters? Real. Dang, cool. So there is some footage, and you can see where the director's talking about how like he goes to a stunt supervisor, and he's like, so where are the explosives? So that we know, so we can position Daniel so he's not going to get in trouble. And he goes, well, there's about 300 on this wall, squibs. And then he's like, and there's about 400 on this wall. And he, and then the director's like, so is he going to be okay? And he's like, yeah, he'll be fine. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then he's like, don't tell Daniel. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's funny is, so they, they did, um, they, they have... 
I don't know if they still do this this much anymore, but they had like an interviewer who was on set and, you know, he's doing this whole like one hour presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's premiering inside look behind the magic. Yeah. And he's interviewing Daniel Ratcliffe before the the shot. And he's like, so um, who's going to protect you if something goes wrong? And he's starting to get a personality, Mr. Daniel. He goes, he goes, that's your job. And the guy's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so it was just cute and kind of fun. A little tongue in cheek. Yeah. And so, um, but anyway, the set is really cool. Love the green colors as we discussed um, off mic. So don't feel like you missed anything, listener. Um, and and it's cool that all the people are coming in on the f- flugs or whatever. Like flu powder. Flu powder. And you see all these different people. Now you don't because it's a different scene. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Then we go into where the prophecies are held. Which is in this room where all of these like crystal balls are are kept. Yeah, all CGI, by the way. That makes sense. Um, makes sense. Looks necessary. Very good, I think. And, and Because I, it's just blue and white. Blue and black. And they're doing the thing they did in Azkaban yes. when he's in the hallway where it's like only light sources, their wands. Yeah. And it just lo- it just looks fantasy. It yeah, just looks it like does. how fantasy should look. So you're just like, ooh, this is cool. Blending that fantasy with reality. Yeah. Look. It's and he great. goes and finds... So he finds the crystal ball that he dreamed about, right? Because it was the, like the 95th row. And he was 94th, so, but... Okay, yeah. so they get to it, and he's like, it's like he's supposed to be right here. It's supposed to be right here. And then... Because he thinks Sirius is there, right? I think being, so. Being attacked by... Um, no, why do you... He shall not be named. Why do you keep saying that? I think it's serious in the in his next vision because it was it was Weasley in the first vision, just walking I guess I around, just forget. and he has a second vision that has Sirius because that's why he goes there and he's like he's about to kill Sirius. Oh, okay, I just forgot. Yeah, but then Neville says, <laughs> "I got something right." Uh, Neville see, says, "Harry, this one has your name on it." So they find the prophecy, and this is the prophecy that Voldemort or he'll should not be named. Oh, that was so uh, close. Saw, heard, whatever that was told, told him that there will be a child born on the 31st of July. And he yes. will be the one, he will be your equal, like your equal. He will defeat you. But what's interesting. And they talk about this in the book. They do get into it. This, the series as a whole, but it's, it says there will be a child born on the 31st and you shall choose like who it is. Uh-huh. So the whole it's just so interesting cuz it's such a it's a chosen one prophecy, but it's chosen by Vol- by he shall not be named, not chosen by God or yeah. like fate. It's chosen by the bad guy. So And as we know in the books, Neville was born on the same day as Harry. Yeah. That means that Neville just as likely could be Harry. Like could be in Harry's shoes. It's just that's yeah. that's the the really important correlation of seeing that like Harry was the one chosen. So I, I forget. Have you seen Life of Brian, the Monty Python movie? Not well, a little bit. Not really. Because I just realized that that's um, <laughs> the li- he's the Neville of the Jesus Christ story. What? Because because the the whole plot of Life of Brian is that this guy is born in Bethlehem yeah. around the same time as Jesus, and everyone keeps mistaking him for the Messiah, which is very funny. Yeah. And surprisingly, as a Christian, I think there was only, like, one offensive thing that I found. It was pretty much just a hilarious movie. Yeah. And so they keep, like, everything he says they think is a parable when yeah. he might be like, no, I just need to take a bath. And they're like, oh, yes, we need to be cleansed. And they <laughs> and yeah. they just keep mistaking him for Jesus. And uh, that's the Neville thing. Totally. It totally <laughs> is. Not, <laughs> not so much. No one's, like, thinking that he's hairy. Yeah. No, but I but, know, but I get what you're saying. It's kind of 
fun. It's a, it's just funny. That's yeah. all I'm saying. No, it's interesting. And I was about to ask more on it, but I know in the next three movies, it get it covers like the whole connection and why Vol- uh, he should not be named like chooses him and all of that stuff right yeah Yeah, and this is also the movie that we find out that um neville's parents were tortured with the cruciatus curse like by bellatrix yeah um so you it makes you think like okay so they heard this prophecy and he'll should not be named was like i'm going to this place you go to that place kill the kid Uh uh-huh um pretty much i'm sure that the books explain it better i could be missing something yeah but um anyway so they get the prophecy and death eaters show up and one of those death eaters is lucius malfoy which we already knew was a death eater and he is telling harry give me the prophecy yeah and then there's a huge fight scene crystal balls flying falling everywhere and breaks right eventually yeah everything's falling down yeah and they they escape through a door to another room and i think it's called a dies or something i know i'm pronouncing it wrong but i've always i always forget to and i did this time too to look up um what that is because i know it's a thing a folklore thing okay what is it in the movie the archway the archway Okay, I don't remember they, this. They don't, they don't really talk about what it is. Okay. It's, so they get in there, and Harry walks up to it, and he says, do you guys hear those voices? Uh-huh. And Hermione, like, she's like, we don't hear anything. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. I know what you're talking so about So I, yeah. I need to look up what that is. I wonder if it's like a druid type thing. Oh, sure. Or maybe even another re- like con- continent yeah. type of folklore. So we'll get back to you on that, hopefully, next yeah, episode. Yeah, I, I need to look it up, because it's super fascinating. Um. It's more of a set piece than anything. Sounds like something you could do on your recount and reveal. Yeah, probably. uh, Um, I'm sure once I figure out what it is, I'll be like, wow, that's so cool that she put that in there. I'm sure. Right now it feels like a cool set piece. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So they're there. The Death Eaters follow them there and they all get all of Harry's friends are going to threaten to kill them if Harry does not give the prophecy to Lucius. Yeah. And he's about to give it. He gives it to Lucius. And you're like, no. And then the Order of the Phoenix shows up. Yes. And uh, big, big battle. (laughs) Big battle. Pretty cool. Like it. Um, Cool. A lot of, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? You know, a lot of like the kids are not using the Avada Kedavra curse. They're not using the killing curse. They're using stupefy or expelliarmus or all these things. They're not. I just think it's important that it's not to kill. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the Batman thing. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. And then, um, uh, Beatrix kills um No no but this Bella- is important first. Okay, okay. So Sirius so Sirius is like, Harry, get out of here. You guys get out of here. We've got this. And Harry's like, No, I'm fighting with you. And they're fighting the Death Eaters and all these things. And they're doing they're doing a pretty good job. And Sirius turns to Harry and says, That's a great one, James. Calls him his dad. Yeah, yeah. And then Bellatrix does a Vaticadaver on Sirius. And he looks to Harry and he falls back through the archway and is and disappears. Yeah. Which is like, what is the thing? But he he disappears. And he's and dead. Right. L- Lupin is yeah, he's dead. Well, okay. she also Avada Kedavra, that's he's dead. Okay, that's what um, I thought. Lupin's holding on to Harry, like, don't go after him because you'll probably die, whatever this thing is that he went through as well. Yeah. Um, but he gets through Lupin because Bellatrix runs away and he's running after her and he he does the Cruciatus curse. He does Crucio on her and gets her down, which is kind of like, whoa. Which, which one's that That's again? The, the torture. Oh, okay. It's one of the three unforgivable curses. So um, he, he does that on her, gets her down, and he, like, he could kill her right now. Mm-hmm. But he who should not be named shows up and is like, do it he killed your godfather just kill her 
And then Dumbledore shows up. Dumbledore and he shall not be named. They start dueling. Bellatrix goes through the flu powder thing. Cool scene of them fighting. Fun to see Dumbledore like finally doing such. There's like no music in the scene. Yeah. In their in their duel. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Classic action uh, technique where you cut the music at at the most intense point. Yeah. Um, and, and I like that. Um, I feel like Voldemort is, you know, we kind of mentioned this in the last movie. Uh, sorry, he should not be named. Uh, he, <sighs> he, uh, it's not Beetlejuice. He's not going to show up if we say I it three times. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he should not be named. has got more of a like dramatic theatrical uh-huh. way of, of doing his magic. And I feel like Dumbledore has more of like rigid, like stoic yeah. way of doing his magic. Just great acting choices. Yeah. And, I mean, Ray Fiennes is just amazing. And a cool thing, too, is Harry keeps trying to get into the fight, and Dumbledore keeps pushing him back. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, keep, yeah, Like, putting spells on him to, boing, like... Boing, boing, Totally, that <laughs> one. Boing, 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 And then, uh, you know, he who shall not be named gets away, and they... Not really. ...kind of have a victory. Not yet. So he disappears. Well, okay, you cover the plot because I, I, I don't That's know okay. what you want to no, cover. It's just okay. It's he he glass breaks, tries to kill them with the glass. Dumbledore turns it into sand, and then oh, the, yeah, the cylinder cool. of sand comes up in the air, and he should not be named. Goes into Harry, and he is inside Harry. And, oh, this is very important. And, and Dumbledore right. is like, like, fight it, Harry, fight it. And you can just see he should not be named going through his mind. Here's what's cool. Yeah. Whole movie. Harry, f- his friends, have, he feels like no one's there around him. Mm-hmm. And they've all been helping him, though, and he didn't know it. But now he truly is alone. And he has to overcome this by himself without know his friends. But you know how he does it? It's like, like the cool part about all of that is so, you know, he... Voldemort or he'll not she'll not be named inside him <laughs> and digging through the being of Harry. Yeah. And it gets to the point where Harry is like, you will always be alone. He is saying this to he you should not be named. Yeah. You will always be alone. You yeah, don't have yeah. any friends. Power of love. The basically the power of love. Like you are power incapable of, of all of these things, and that's why you will lose. So like even though Great. he's alone in yeah. this moment, he knows he's not alone. Love that. And that's why he doesn't lose. Yeah. Great message. And I think, um, okay, movie over, pretty much. I mean, there's a wrap-up, of course, but I, I'm trying you know, to remember what it is. I just... Oh, I've, important, like, Dumbledore telling Harry, like, I'm really sorry with everything. Or he, It's interesting. Dumbledore says, like, I know how you're feeling, Harry. And Harry says, no, you don't. And there's no rebuttal. Like, Harry, Dumbledore true. doesn't have anything to say. And yeah. then Dumbledore says, I thought that by not acknowledging you you would it would you would be able to avoid a lot of what happened yeah and i'm i am admitting and recognizing that i was so wrong yeah so it's just cool because it's dumbledore in a way a little bit of the christ-like figure mm-hmm. in, a, in a way um and of course it's just, it's just cool because like he is like the best of the best uh-huh. seems seems to be the virtuous of the virtuous mm-hmm. and he is not and he is admitting it yeah it's cool and um, so one thing, as we have finished this movie, and we're getting ready to go to the next movie, where it's not a full-blooded prince, it's half-blood people. Only half of it. And um, I, I just want to kind of point out, I think this movie, even though there is still a lot of practical stuff, I think that it kind of marks the like CG turnover. 
it's still very practical and I'm not saying this is I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just saying like the movies are like more and more CG and I think this is like okay. Like these are especially when you look at Fantastic Beasts as we will uh, I'm sure we will point out a lot like maybe if this movie hadn't been done, maybe the Fantastic Beast movies would be more practical. Yeah. You know? I so, think that in this next movie, while you were correct, for sure, there are going to be several, I feel like, really important things that they have chosen not to do CGI. Yeah. Whether, and I don't mean necessarily plot point for everything, but like set scene setting as well. That yeah. they do the real thing and it looks so much better than it would have any other way. Yeah. And I and another thing I'm I'm kind of formulating. So this was 2007 that this comes out, and this so Warner Brothers, same studio that owns DC Comics. So um, 2008 we have Dark Knight. 2012 we have Dark Knight Rises, and in between that they finish up the Harry Potter series. And I think this coupled with Dark Knight is why studios across like franchises. I think this is when they learn all the wrong lessons from both Dark Knight and this series where they're like, oh, okay, so in order for it to be good, it has to be dark. Yeah. And it has to be, like, literally dark and, like, story-wise dark. That's why, like, Batman v Superman is such a dour movie. Yeah. And it's just, like, such a slog. It's because it's like, well, it has to be dark. And Man of Steel is, is a sloggy in some parts, too, where it's like, it has to be dark. And I think a lot of it has to do with these two franchises. And the biggest thing with it, I've not seen Batman versus Superman. I have seen Man of Steel. And I am also lumping, uh, what's the terrible movie? The DC Suicide Squad? Suicide Squad into this. Just because they make the movie visually dark does not make the movie dark. Yes. Because I think that has a lot to do with it. We're like, if we just turn the contrast up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's going to look a lot grittier and the people got dirt on their face. Yeah. And it's like, and, no. And the thing, the rebuttal against um, Ebert's thought on this and um, and against, because I'm not trying to write off dark stories, but but I with Harry Potter, the story has been earned because it's slowly totally. going there. Yeah. And, it, and at this point, when you're, when it is this dark, I am excited that it's getting darker, but it's not just dark for dark's sake as like a lot of like the mummy, the Tom Cruise mummy where it's like, it's just dark because we think it should be when it should have been like a fun campy movie mm-hmm. that it, it turned out to be a campy movie, but it yeah. didn't realize it was campy. Yeah. So if, if the series earns it, that's great. That's why like Avengers infinity war was awesome. It earned that dark ending. Yeah. It totally earned it. Yeah. So good series. Loving it. We'll this be back your next one so week. Far. This is my favorite one so far. Um, my release show, March 13th. Um, I probably, hopefully by now, will have added a little clip right around here. I came out with a music video for Nervous Tick. That is required watching. You are mandated and required to watch it. And then on Monday, I released the album to my patrons. So if you sign up for Patreon patreon.com slash Michael McCaw, then you get the album. So I figure if you're planning on getting the album, why not just buy it now and get it early and sign up and be a Patreon and also get a bunch of other stuff and you'll get the album cheaper than you'd get it if you bought it on iTunes or, or whatever. So you can do that. And then finally, the album is getting released on March 13th and it will be released at the Children's Sanctuary Church in Medford 
the show is going to have doors open at 6.30, and then the show's going to start at 7, and it is going to be a wild night. I really hope that you'll come. Anyway, thanks, everybody. Bye. And then right there- This is not a visual medium. Yeah, well, uh, no, no, I- They'll they'll know because I'll have added a clip of me describing where and when the the show starts. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, go to patreon.com, get your episodes early. A couple weeks ago, we did a um, Oscar special that's only on the Patreon. Got to check that out. And uh, if you're doing Patreon, you're also getting my album early. It's not even out yet, and I think by now you'll have it. And there's art stuff that's coming. It's great. It's You'll love it. You gotta get on the Patreon. Um, thanks for listening. We still have to name our audience, I think, at some point. Hopefully why? we'll naturally oh, get I there. Oh, I understand what you're saying. Like Peter and Peter, we had the wide. Mm-hmm. But there's gotta be something. I don't know what it is yet, but we'll have to mull that around. I, fa- I say don't force it. I don't think we should force it either. No, 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 no. But uh, just keep that in your brain. Bye. Bye. Bye.